0: And you know, I used to tell you, you
1: know, I, I just talked about how I'm trying to be more gentle and loving. And I used to tell you, you don't like it when I do this. And I used to say, well, I don't care. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do this because I love you. Oh, that's okay, better. And I really appreciate it. Okay. You know, he, this, he's just an amazing man. I, I'm, not, I'm not where I am today without him. I mean, we know it's Jesus, right? But just just like we talked about, it's, it's, it's living a life. This man has chosen for decades, right, to live the life of Christ, no matter what. No matter what. Gave up a super high paying job, you talked about that, you know, to do what? To live for the Lord 100%. And you trusted him. He's say, like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And there's so many of us, all of us in this room have been blessed because of that. Just an amazing man. He was hunting this year, right? I sent him up to an area. I'm like, hey, go. Go up there and kill this buck. Kind of showed him, kind of described how to hunt it, you know. And uh, he's you know, trying to encourage him on his on his strengths of hunting that he has. And, and he listened, thankfully. And uh, did an amazing job. And he killed a giant buck, right? And so he shoots his buck and he's like, it's still kind of standing there. And so he says, hey, what would Brian do? Because I've been with him on, on every one that he's killed. So this is the first time he's kind of alone, right? And he's thinking, what would Brian do? What would Brian do? You know, how many times in a day? In a spiritual sense, I ask, what would Bill do? What would Bill say? How would Bill handle the situation? Such an inspiration to me, so much. I love you so much. And I know we all do. And we're so thankful for you and your leadership, not only in this camp, but every day for the Pleasant Hill Church of Christ and for all of us, all that you do. So let's hear it. Bill Compton.
0: Let's uh, grab our Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians in chapter 1. 2 Corinthians in chapter 1. And you know where we're going to go. We're going to go to chapter 1 and we're going to begin in verse 1. You need to get a rolling start before you hit uh, verse 8 and then you jam on the gas. It's important that you know that. So we need to got a little context here. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. We'll read down through verse 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions so that we'll be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient, enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that that we despaired even of life, Indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. You also enjoining in helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given to many persons on thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Well, this is the beginning of a mini-series. You know, I kind of like doing mini-series within a series under a theme. And, you know, sometimes we just run right into a theme and we just just start shooting and bringing things in. We want to really focus on what the text is talking about. So when I was a kid... When I say that, a kid Christian, 24 and a half years old, I said, I wanna be like Paul when I grow up. And then you read scriptures like this and you go, I still wanna be Paul, like Paul when I grow up. And I think that the season for real growing is right around the corner. Now, the. I'm not a prophet, but I can tell you I know something about your future. And you get to choose your future. Some of us are going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. And those who didn't get in the arena, those who sat on the sidelines, those who didn't listen to the many great family camps, the many great sermons, the many pointed sermons that really challenged people to really rethink their thinking and look beyond the present and into the spiritual, fixing their eyes on Jesus. They're going to hear, depart from me, cursed one, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Every single soul in this room, look at me. Look at me. Boys in the back, tie. Look at me. Every soul in this room is going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me. Now you may not believe that, but that doesn't change your future. The Lord Jesus Christ came and gave his life the very end of his life was one of the best illustrations of what you and I are to be in this last hour. Completely and totally focused on other people and their pain and their suffering. And what may be their eternal pain and suffering if you and I don't step up and trust fully in God. You know, each one of the preachers that have come up here before me has specifically said that you really need to believe what the scripture says. You need to embrace it as your own and you need to step in it and live it. I'm working with a young man. Unfortunately, he was not able to be here. He he is uh, 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 up north. He wanted to be here. The interesting thing is, is that young man, he came to me. He says, you know what? Where I go to school is absolutely insane. He says, you know, Mr. C, you've talked about schools that are no longer schools for education, but schools for indoctrination. He says, you won't even believe some of the things. And he shared some of those things. And he said, he's 16 years old, or 17, excuse me. He says, I want to be a man of integrity. I don't want to be like what I see and where I'm living right now. Wants to be a man of integrity, do you want to be a man of integrity? Do you want to be a woman of virtue? Jesus said, Will I find faith on the earth when I return? You know what he's really saying? Will I find people who have trusted me so much they'll live only for me and my word? I don't know if you've already looked it up or not, but the word pistis and the, for faith and the word pitho for belief in the middle of the definition is trust and assurance. You cannot have a relationship with God if you do not trust him. And he will not have a relationship with you if you are not trustworthy. You know the definition of being a lukewarm Christian is? Someone who's not there when they're needed. You can't count on them. They're not reliable. They're not dependable. You know, what are the words for trust? Reliable, dependable. You can count on them. They're there when you need them. And they're ever present. And when asked, they'll step right up and they'll step right in. And if they see something done, they're on it and not waiting to be told what to do. Because I'll tell you what, the fields are white for harvest. The fields were white for harvest and Steve Doty doesn't have enough time. I don't have enough time. Davis doesn't have enough time. Mike doesn't have enough time to reach all that need harvesting. Every soul needs to step into this work. Let's go back really quickly and see what's going on here. The first point in my sermon this morning is this. Paul's afflictions drove him to make a decision about who he's gonna trust and who he's gonna put hope in. There is no such thing as snowflake Christians. Snowflake Christians are the lukewarm. And the lukewarm will not have a safe place when they die. For they'll dwell with the devil and his angels. The hour is, is the last hour You say, how do you know that? Remember Jesus talked about the seasons and when there are certain things that happen, you know the season's coming. And it's already been brought up by at least two preachers that Satan is going to bring the armies of the earth upon the face of the earth and they're going to surround the camp of the saints. Was that you, Matt? I think you might have said that. Steve, you said that too, I think. What's that talking about? It's not talking about a geographic. It's talking about shutting down the gospel. That's exactly what G- the Satan wants you to do, is shut your mouth and be quiet. You can't do that and be red hot for the Lord. You know, if you're not willing to do the simple little things like stepping up and helping clean up or if you're not willing to do that because it's, it's, it's beneath you, you've missed the whole point of what Christianity is about, what Christ came to do. He came to this cesspool, and it was filled with human waste, full, every single one, so that you and I would have an opportunity out of this place. And then you're not willing to pick up a broom. You're not willing to do the... the Things that seem to be below us as sons and daughters of the living God. You don't even know what that means then. So let's take a look at this passage of scripture, verse eight, for we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. I have to tell you, I have not experienced that before. Have you? I've not experienced that before. But you know, there's brethren around the world that have experienced that. There's brethren around the world that have been hunted down and killed for their faith. Even in this day and age, we're not talking about then, we're talking about right now. And if you think that living in the United States has insulated you from that potentiality, you're sorely mistaken. Recognize and understand that the church in the United States has had it soft and easy. So right now is the time that we need to get serious. In fact, I think we should have been getting a lot more serious before this. If you're fearful of what's happening in the physical realm, not realizing that much of it is symptomatic of what Satan is doing in the spiritual realm and understanding what God has called us to do in the spiritual realm to have an impact in this realm to win more souls, you've been asleep. I've been told I shouldn't preach at people. It's, it's, it's time for us to really get serious. I appreciate the men that have been really, Is how it is. Are you ready mentally for what may come? The only way that you can mentally get ready is to fix your eyes on Christ in men like the Apostle Paul, in men like Timothy, in women like, uh, Prisca, man, she was on the cutting edge, wasn't she? Working with her husband, evangelism, and supporting evangelists. Well, we see here there's affliction that brings about excessive burden beyond our strength. There's going to be times in the future where you are going to be so tired physically. And yet the demands are going to be so critical for the spiritual well-being of others, you're going to have to find within yourself strength to depend on God to give you what you need to get through. How did Jesus do what he did as a human being? Going to the cross after being beaten near death? How did he do that? Go back and look. How much sleep did he get in the last couple days? None. And yet, he still, by sheer will to do God's will, powered up that hill, and his focus was always on others and the pain that they would experience if they did not receive the gospel message. Can I get an amen on that one? That's my picture as we go into this. That's my picture. My picture is also the Apostle Paul. That's my picture. That's who I am. We talk about this thing being the mirror. And we talk about seeing the glory of God in the mirror. That is who you are. And if you're not looking in the mirror, I don't mean to be mean here, but you're an absolute mess spiritually if you're not looking in the mirror. Can I get an amen on that one? Would you say amen to that one, Matt? Is that right? Matt, if you're not looking in the mirror, you're not ready. Don't you tell me what to do. I used to say that all the time, the preachers. <laughs> Who said they were kind of rebellious? One of the preachers came, they said they were kind of rebellious. Oh, you, Matt, okay. I knew I liked you for a reason. Matt, I was always getting in trouble in school. Wow, I was always... I was getting in trouble when I was teaching school. <laughs> I had a lot of pink slips, and and so uh, they said, "Do you want your file when you when you leave?" And I said, "Nah, you can keep it. Do whatever you want with it. I've lived it. You said it didn't work. We're we're moving on." You know, I've always been in trouble, but the reason I've been in trouble is I take a stand for what I believe. Paul took a stand for his convictions about Jesus Christ. Timothy did, and the New Testament church in part did. But how many of them walked away when the pressure came? You know, there were many, weren't there? The burden is going to be great beyond our physical strength. We need to rely upon the Lord. And notice what he says here. He says, Paul despaired spared even of life. Paul just walked through everything, just like Jesus kind of skipped right up to the cross and laid himself up. That's not how that works. Go back and read the Psalms. The turmoil in Christ is expressed in the Psalms through David. But they didn't give up. They didn't quit. They didn't stop. They kept driving to do the will of God, regardless. Your faith will drive you. Your emotions will fail you. Build the faith. Finally, he says, indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves. That does not mean that he was going to chicken out because he knew that he could die because we just read a little bit later, hey man, I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. He wasn't scared about dying, but rather not being able to finish the course as God wanted him to finish the course. Now, what's he talking about here? It doesn't give us any parameters except for it happened in Asia. I kind of think it has to do with, with Acts chapter 19. That's what I think. You know what happened in Acts chapter 19? You start messing with people's livelihood and they do not like you. Let's take a look real quick, Acts chapter 19, so you can see how ugly it could get really fast. I mean, like, really fast. Acts chapter 19, turn with me if you would. And uh, I believe this is what he's talking about. I might be wrong, but, because, uh, you know, I, I always study things, and I try to figure them out, and I look at commentators, and they all said, we don't know, could be this, could be that, could be thrown to all beasts, who knows? I believe in the context of history and the context of, of him having just come from Corinth, he's talking to them about what happened during his time here in Ephesus. Look at verse 21. Now, after all these things were finished, Paul purposed in his spirit to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of those who uh, ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia, for a while, there's the context, Asia. About that time, there occurred no small disturbance uh, concerning the way. For a man named uh, Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines to Artemis or the goddess Diana, which was basically glorified prostitution, was bringing no little business to the craftsmen. I'm gonna stop right there. Paul put a stick in the spokes of that guy's business for the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of those people that were worshiping down at the temple of Diana were now serving the Lord 24-7. And he lost a big part of his income, so he brings the rabble about. You know, the word says that they were enraged, and the word riot is also used there. The, one of the town leaders had to quell the riot that was happening. Now, I don't know anything about riots, but how many of you know I've been working close with law enforcement officers since 2018? In fact, I've been working with a couple great law enforcement officers even before that. But I'll tell you what, Jeff Drillinger and some of the folks that I've talked with were in riots down at the U of O and then then riots up in Portland, right? There is a spirit of evil. It possesses people. And it says here that when the riot started and the rage was building, it was this spirit of rage. And many people were coming in to rip and tear. They had grabbed some of the Christians there, Starkus and Gaius, and took them in the town center. And that spirit was there. And then Paul wanted to go in and make sure everything was okay. I can just see Paul I'll, I'll straighten them all out kind of like an A-type personality. And there were even political leaders that were holding him back and saying, don't go in there. You don't know what's... They would have killed him for sure. I think you're talking about the beast, big government, right? Working together with false with the false prophet. That's what's got to what's coming on, man. It's big, big pharma and big everything else. Why do you think that there are big box stores that are basically wiping every little guy out? That's just because it's big. Now, we need to recognize and understand that if you think you can get up in the mountains with your trailer, I know you're not going to do that. You're going to stand. But you know, you think about that kind of stuff, don't you? Well, the reality is you've got to think about how you're going to stand. And how are you going to help as many people into the kingdom before it's your time? That's why he feared that death. He didn't want to go prematurely. Trusting God, he says. Look at the next verse here. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Indeed, we have the sentence of death within us, so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. Now, here's the question. Those who hear, Depart from me, cursed one into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels... Who did they trust in when the crush came? Well, you know the answer to that one. What is it? who they trust in? They trusted in themselves. I got enough money, I got enough food, I got enough water, I got enough guns, I got enough, I got enough, I'm smart enough, I can figure this out, I know where well, I got my bug out bag, I got my It's really going to, you are bugging out on the Lord. This sounds really mean, but it'd be better if you bugged out now so that those of us who have made the commitment, we're going to go all the way. Don't have to deal with that when things get really hot and the shooting starts, whatever that might look like, who knows? That may sound offensive to you. But notice the fear of death forced him to choose. I'm glad some of the sermons were kind of in your face this weekend. It forces a choice. What choice will you make? Will you trust God now and build your faith so he will find faith on the earth? Someone who trusts him and completely or will you continue to go as... Hmm, same, old, same old program. Look at what he says. I trusted in God. Why did he trust in God? Because he realized that when he dies, he doesn't know when it is, but when he dies, if he remains faithful, where is he going to go? He's going to be resurrected unto life. Do you believe... That there are two resurrections, and I'm not talking about the first resurrection and immersion, and the second one when he comes again and we're bodily resurrected. I'm talking about on resurrection day, there's only two groups of people. Who are they? There is no middle ground, there's no lukewarm, there is no purgatory, there is no, it's either you are in or you're out. Now, I've been accused of being a little intense prematurely. In fact, I've been accused of being a little intense prematurely a lot. And even if I am premature in this, it just means you have a little bit more time to get steeled up, to stand your ground and drive straight through the cross in the glory. Amen? That's right. So, don't bug out. Press in. Understand who you are. I've been going through, as I said, Isaiah, man. I'm just, just grinding through that and just milking it like I've never done before. Why? Here am I. Send me. What'd that look like? That is who I am. That is who you are if you are a man or woman of faith. Jeremiah sent me, but now I'm in Jeremiah. Oh. It's great when the king comes and knocks your teeth out, throws you in prison. For doing what? Telling folks what they need to know. That's me. That's you. If you choose to be faithful unstoppable, unshakable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. Amen? Amen. Now, your hope must be built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. That's why you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. That's why I continually go back to those last Few days of his life, those are the most powerful picture of the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through a man to sacrifice it all, even though he spent it all. He's going to drive to and through the cross. Will you? Will I? Time will tell, but we must be resolved now. We must get the mindset now. We must be practicing now. If we don't get the mindset, we're not going to practice. If we don't practice when that day comes of testing, we're going to melt like snowflakes rather than become that rock-solid flint moving forward as Jesus was. My hope is built on Jesus Christ. That's why I left teaching, because I knew that there was an opportunity. Opportunity. And I have not lost anything. I've gained the hundredfold blessing and more. Well, let's read on. It says here, and this we must get in our minds after uh, verse nine, verse 10, talking about our trust in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we've set our hope, And he will yet deliver us. Three times. Now, brethren, this is important. I want you to think back in your past. Have there been times in your past when you could not see any way out of the dilemma that you had that was challenging you, trying to crush you? And yet you continued faithfully and God delivered. I go back to so many of those times. You know that I had COVID and it was in the hospital. You know I told you uh, Friday night that they wanted to uh, incubate me when I came in. I must have looked pretty ugly or something. It's good that I didn't look in the mirror then. But I said, no way. But going in there and having two days of sleep deprivation, it was very difficult. But in that time, I was thinking, Jesus was sleep deprived. In that last few days, wasn't he? How many know what I'm talking about? He sleep deprived and yet he powered through. He didn't lose his faith. He didn't lose the focus of driving through the cross into glory because he was bringing all the Old Testament faithfuls with him and he was securing our future. I'm tired too. Wake up. I've been driving 18 hours a day for the last several weeks and I'm still driving through. I don't want you to fall asleep at the wheel. We need to recognize and understand that Jesus has delivered us and in the future storms that come in this life, he will deliver us. He is faithful. He's the same yesterday. He did it for us yesterday. He'll do it for us today and he's gonna continue to do that for us even as we step into glory, amen? Do you really believe that? Or have you just been going to church? I'm ashamed to say for many years I was going to church. For many years it was just a program. And I really had to step it up. And even now more so. I know. In the next few years. However many years we have left. Until my day. He'll deliver me. One of my concerns is that I'll go prematurely because of some knuckleheaded thing I do. So every day I get up, I want to make sure I'm working God's program, God's word, and not mine. As someone said before, that's so. I was Brian, you know, trust yourself, that's when it doesn't work out, right? Well, I love the last part here. And the last part is for all of us really to consider a very critical part of our life that I think sometimes is a challenge for folks. Look at this last part. We know God's gonna deliver us even on that last day, body, soul, and spirit complete, standing before him holy and blameless. But we need help, we need each other. Look at verse 11. You also, Paul says, speaking to the, the Christians in the city of Corinth, You also joining in helping us through your prayers. Who's been helping him? If you understand what we just read, God has been helping Paul all the way along, but he says, you Christian sister, you Christian brother, you've been helping us too. You've been working with God. God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers, and our prayers are not powerful only, but that the hand of God is moved, That's where the power is. Go back and understand. God listens to the prayers of the righteous man or woman and will follow through. There's been a woman in our church, and I hope she's listening, Tamara. Every time I tell her about a new Bible study, I say, would you pray for me as I go work with this person? Darren Kendrick is in Christ, not just because... Brian opened the door and I ran through it, but Tamara was consistently praying for Darren Kendrick. That's why he's in Christ. And and for him to have come out of the world and the challenges he was facing at the time, it's miraculous. It was God, not me. There's power in this prayer. Paul realizes it that God works through the prayers of those who are righteous men and women. You also adjoining God in helping us through your prayers so that two things. Thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through your prayers. You know the favor that's bestowed on the Apostle Paul? The, the favor of God is to grant him a clear mind to preach the message as it ought to be preached to the specific individuals that he's working with. Because then those people, when they become Christians, they praise God and they praise God for the person that led them to Christ. Little did they know, Darren never knew that Tamara was praying for his soul. That God was moved because of her prayers. You know, when you say you're gonna pray for somebody, you better pray right then. Don't wait. I'll put it on my prayer list when I get home. You want to know what's going to happen? You want to know what's You're saying, you don't need to tell me. Shut up, preacher. <laughs> <laughs> I know what's going to happen. I've done it. I've done it too. When you say you're going to pray for someone, you might even want to say, can we pray right now? That way you can be a man or woman of your word. But man, before you turn that car on, before you leave that, whatever, you better be doing the praying. Believing that God's going to powerfully work through your prayers. My brother once said that prayer is like a military action. Before you send in the foot soldiers, you always want to soften up the enemy. And so you send the big gun, the artillery in just soften them up so they're shell-shocked. And so when the boots on the ground go in, they're easier prey. That's kind of messed up. But am I getting it right? Is that true? Pretty much. Right? Well, who's the big guns? Well, a big gun. No, you're not. You're a tool. You're just a tool. It'll get you thinking you're something you're not. You're just a tool. I like it because if you look at it in Romans 6, it says you're a weapon. That's a little bit better than a tool, but you know, tool, weapon, get the job done. But you want to soften up, soften up, soften up what the adversary's got his claws in people. You're not trying to soften up the people by smashing them. You're trying to smash the adversary. He's got his claws in them, and God will grant that prayer. I want you to see that this is not just here. I want you to go to the book of Colossians. And chapter four, listen to what Paul asks the brethren, the Christians in the city of Colossae in Colossians chapter four. Some of you are aware of this. This is a powerful passage of scripture. It says here, chapter four, verse two through four. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Critical, critical in this spiritual fight. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us, as well, What are we going to pray? That God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I've also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. What is Paul's life about? Getting people into heaven. What was Jesus's life about? Game and seek and save the lost. Are you an anointed one of God bearing the name Jesus Christ? Christian, what do Christians do? They glorify God in their bodies so people can see that you're the real deal. You're not a knockoff Christian, churchianity. You're the real deal. And when they see you're the real deal and they got problems, they're gonna say, "What, what is the answer? And you got it because you've been living it and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brethren, that's our work. Let me close with this. We know that tough times are coming. I mean, if you don't know that, I mean, I don't know if there's anything that any sermon can do for you. Tough times are coming. God says so. But how many know in Romans chapter two, it says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Amen. How many know that one? I've said this before, I'm gonna to continue to say it probably until I read my last. You don't need to be an evangelist. You need to be somebody who's kind and compassionate. Because when you see someone's heartache and you in kindness step up and you help them, no strings attached, I'm going to try and get a Bible study. No, 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 no. It's the character of Christ to love. It's the character of Christ to be compassionate. It's the character of Christ to be kind. And when they see that that's who you are consistently without without flaw, they're going to want to know why. It's happened over and over and over again to me and to others that I know. Just kindness opens the door and then people start asking. It's the character of Christ, the glory of God that opens the door and then you can walk through with the gospel message by which they will be saved. The devil's not going to take this sitting down. He knows that we're ramping up. He knows that camps like this are getting it done and helping people to decide what am I going to do? Trust God or trust myself. I love the song. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Will you go with me? Will you go with me? Will we follow him? Appreciate you coming out today. So let's close in a word of prayer. And then remember, we want to do our very best job in breaking camp and making it look great because we want to come back here next year, amen? Don't forget what you learned. Come back tonight, six o'clock. Be charged with the charge. That really is the probably the best way to finish this camp. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Holy Father, for your word. I wanna be like your son Jesus when I grow up. And I'm thankful for the growing season. This is the growing season and I get to choose. We get to choose Jesus every day as we sit and listen to him, as we share our heart, our burdens, our concerns with him. As we come alongside dear brothers and sisters in Christ to be encouraged by him through each other. I'm excited for what's to come. I want to be that warrior, that hero of the faith. Regardless of what garbage is in the past, you've covered that and you've empowered me, you've empowered us. Lord God, I would ask that you would teach us every day. We'd see every day in your word, the mirror, the promises coming true in our lives because of the indwelling presence of yourself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for this camp. Looking forward to a a good lunch and a a little bit of downtime with the brethren. And then, Father, the, the great closing message and a remembrance of a great saint That touched so many hearts because of kindness and compassion. Changed my life. What a great example. I just pray that you would help us to remember that and that we would not forget what we've learned and that we would grow still more and more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.